Welcome everyone to Good Night and Good Game, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host James, and with me this week, as always, is my co-host Hector. Hello. This week on the show after the news, we're going to continue our Finding Fun in Flawed series, where we're going to be be talking about fun but flawed movies. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. With all that out of the way, it's time for The Prelude. Prelude. Hey everyone, welcome to The Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. Hector, what do you got for me this week? Oh man, I kept a good list this week. Um, I'll start with a movie that I saw on Saturday called Bullet Train. Mm -hmm. Now, Bullet Train is a movie starring a whole lot of really amazing people, but most notably Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is a... Contract thief for hire aboard a a Japanese bullet train um, in which he needs to steal a briefcase and multiple hijinks of the highest order ensue. (laughs) Um, What can I, I I could compare this movie only to something like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, The Gentleman or um, Snatch, which also stars Brad Pitt. In a, I, maybe a supporting role? I don't know. Okay. There's a lot of characters in that movie. But yes, it's an ensemble cast, a lot of really great actors just lighting the place on fire with all their amazing stuff. All of the Japanese actors are very well-known Japanese actors. Um, all of the other actors are also people that you will recognize. Um, mm-hmm. And it, since it's a, a little bit of a bottle episode with a lot of action and a lot of really great comedy mm-hmm. in between, everyone gets a chance to just sit there and act and like be a character for a while. And then they fight like action figures. And it's fucking okay. great. It's a very fun movie. I couldn't really give it more than that, but um, it's absolutely worth a watch. Maybe even in theater just for the spectacle of it all. Sure. Um, yeah, it's very good. So, uh, TV this week, I got two new things. Mm -hmm. I finished the final season of Westworld. Okay. Did that just yesterday. Um, The show really wrapped up. Nice. Um, It's weird. Like, like it felt like it was wrapping up Mm -hmm. and not, you know, it didn't feel like, oh, we're finally coming to the climax. It's like, all right, we need to... We need to get this thing yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we can literally do this forever, maybe we need to, like, discover where we end it, you know? And the show did the whole thing, and... If this is a compliment, the ending made me want to go back and watch it from the beginning. And that's more than I can say for a lot of shows that I stuck with um, this long or Game of Thrones, you know, uh, shit like that. Um, So let's see. Uh, I started Mm -hmm. because I was in desperate need of some good things and some positive affirmation in my life. The Orville New Horizons. Yep. Um, yeah, so this is the third season that is exclusive to Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave this show all of the budget mm-hmm. and let Zeth McFarlane just go ahead and write his ass off or his writing team or whoever did it. I, I'm sorry if I took credit away from you. I know he doesn't do the whole show, mm-hmm. but th- I saw the first episode last night and it was like over an hour. So I was like, yep. man, they're really doing the Star Trek thing. Like they're going with the big opening episode and Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, you walked into that expecting a happy fun time. Oh uh, no, I was expecting the future and hope and like exploration, and I got a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But I did not expect to be moved by the first episode of Orville. I expected yep. to laugh right. and you know mm-hmm. see some goofy shenanigans and some really first rate like new technology Star Trek shit because that's the point of the show mm-hmm. with uh, you know lo- loud trumpety music. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. But it was one of those episodes where they just fucking get you and you don't expect them to get you, but fuck, they get you. (laughs) 
And man, what a great episode. I can't wait to watch the rest of the show. And if you at all like uh, are a fan of Star Trek, you owe it to yourself to watch this show. Yeah. And you should watch it now because now that it's a Hulu exclusive, we have to support it with our eyeballs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not advertising on this one. So I'm going to start a tiny little segment called Hector Talks About Games He Hasn't Played Yet. Because this has been an amazing amazing week a month for indie games mm-hmm. and i need a shout out too that came out this week that you might like um that i haven't played just yet but i know i can recommend them based on everything that i've seen about them mm-hmm. and, and it's just brand new so uh midnight fight express i actually played the demo for this mm-hmm. this comes out i believe on friday if not today um this was an absolutely awesome game feels a lot like hotline miami mm-hmm. except you upgrade your character over time and still get thrown into like round after round of just like do or die you know mm-hmm. time to fight it out like desperate situation type stuff the second one did come out today and that one's called cursed to golf mm-hmm. this is a very fun little game about um you running through a, basically a bunch of golfing challenges in a very cursed and very haunted <laughs> um, mini golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little 2D sprite based game, yep. you know, very indie. It looks absolutely adorable. The third game in this list is a game that I cannot wait to play. I'm just behind because of the game that I did play that I'll talk to you about next. Then mm-hmm. This one is Cult of the Lamb. Haven't played it yet, but I've heard nothing but good things. This is a Devolver game, mm-hmm. so you can expect a great art style and maybe a little bit of a twisted yeah. um, you know, motif going on. And this one is about a cult leader, literally contact by, contacted by an eldritch god, and he decides to go form a cult, and the rest of it is a roguelike where you get randomly generated levels to try and work up a chain of things to get new abilities mm-hmm. so that you can come back and engage in the other half of the game which is a village building simulator mm-hmm. because you need your cultists to be cleaning up and cooking mm-hmm. and building huts and planting crops and you can do lots of things with them like give them food and bread and circus but you can also sacrifice them to your god to become mm-hmm. stronger you can make one of them your simp but if they decide that they're angry they may rise up against you which is all the more reason to maybe marry them and then sacrifice them to your god <laughs> i can't wait to play this fucking game i'm very excited for it and the last one that i want to mention is a game that i have been playing it's ass off since I was able to get it. Mm. It's called Rollerdrome. Okay. Now, Rollerdrome is a game that I wasn't really expecting a lot out of. It just looked fun. Mm-hmm. But it was an indie studio's first outing, and I was like, all right, let me, you know, drop the 20 bucks and see what this is about because it, you got my attention, mm-hmm. you know? So. This is a game where you ride around on roller skates in a futuristic arena where you are being played as, um, I mean, did, did people know rollerball? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, or stuff like that. It's basically a game where you are pit, pitted against other people in life and death scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have guns. There's a bunch of different kinds of them. Some of them have mech suits. Some of wow. them have rocket launchers. And you have roller skates. Mm-hmm. You have roller skates, and the arenas are roller rinks. Mm-hmm. And because it's the future, the way you get ammo is by doing roller skate tricks. <laughs> so you're going up ramps and that's how you reload. You're doing an ollie and a kickflip and a tail grab mm-hmm. on your way down, hopefully rotating a 360 for the little bit of extra ammo. Mm-hmm. 
Um, while people are shooting at you, you can dodge perfectly. And if you dodge perfectly and engage your slowdown mechanic, you do like triple damage. Wow. And you are basically fighting for your life in this arena as waves and waves of things attack you until you win. Mm-hmm. And then you go on the circuit because this is a tournament of like hockey or Overwatch right, League right. or anything else. There is a tournament and you are moving up the ranks and you are in a season and it gives you dates and it shows you traveling from one arena to the oh, next cool. and you get a little backstory in between. But man, this game is cool. I haven't finished the story yet, but I have been playing this game so much. (laughs) So, so much because it is mechanically so amazingly satisfying and sound that I don't think I'll ever uninstall it from my Steam Deck (laughs) because it runs great on my PC, which is a powerhouse. But I, 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 I told you last week that I was blessed with a Steam Deck and... The first thing I did was install this to see if it would run, and God, it runs beautifully, just locked at 60, because the art style is a little bit simple, but still very, very readable, and you can see the entire arena from whatever you're doing, even though they're big and you have weapons that shoot very far. It's a great game overall. I cannot recommend it enough. Like I said, I'll never uninstall it from my Switch, (laughs) because I can pick it up and play it for five minutes and put it down, and I feel like I did something. Nice. That's my stuff for this week. Okay. Uh, Run through mine real quick. Uh, Finish Stray, uh, absolutely excellent. You play a cat. If you if you don't know about this game, like yeah, online, where have you been? It. Where have you been? Everybody's <laughs> talking about this game. Absolutely fantastic. Um, let's see here. I finished. I started and finished season three of Lock and Key. Hell yeah! Not really much to talk about here. We've been talking about this about Lock and Key on this show in one way or form or fashion for eight years. Yeah, like. Watch Lock and Key. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. I, I don't think I watched the second season. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, the the game that I've been playing this week obsessively is a game that just came out called Arcade Paradise. It is a management sim in which you play a um, young character named Ashley. You inherit your father's old laundromat, and he wants to teach you responsibility. It takes place in kind of this late 80s, early 90s synth wave grunge kind of era and you find a, a couple of arcade machines in the back of the laundromat and you do laundry for people to get more money so that you can build out the arcade and this arcade all the games that you start off with are very reminiscent of other games there's a gta meets pac-man there's a mr driller kind of game um the cool thing about it is some of the arcade games actually just have like permanent upgrades so like if you upgrade your character in the arcade machine like they stay permanent so you're not just replaying the same kind of game over and over again um i it is a game that, that i recommend highly to people simply because it's been a long time since i've played a video game that has put me into a flow state so naturally mm-hmm. where i just forget about time like i you know it was like five o'clock and then it was seven o'clock and i went crap i need to go make dinner but maybe i'll play a couple more rounds and then it's eight o'clock and i'm like okay i absolutely have to stop here and go make dinner yeah like i just forgot time and so the music's fantastic just the getting into the day-to-day routine of it by the time you hit hour three or four you're not really doing the laundry part of it anymore that's kind of a how you get started the arcade kind of pays for all the things that you need at some point um just highly recommend this game it's an indie title it is so much fun it's so easy to get lost in if you have any nostalgia for the arcades in the 80s or 90s or ever went to a laundromat that had arcade machines in it this is the game for you Hell yeah. The last thing that we did, we'll very briefly touch on. Uh, well, first yeah. off, we did watch She-Hulk. Um, we did watch She-Hulk. Go watch that. It's hilarious. Watch it. I, I cried, laughed the, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it's well, awesome. Last thing we did is we went and saw a movie that we originally thought was going to be a horror movie that was not a horror movie, and that is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah, that shit was fucking phenomenal. A24 film, fantastic cast. Yep. Pete Davidson's in it. Um, what I will tell you about it so I don't spoil anything, uh, don't go into it thinking it's a horror movie. It is more of a whodunit. 
Yeah, uh, almost a, a, in a uh, you know in a thriller kind of way, but yes, very yeah. much a uh, what is going on in here right now. Yeah, and yeah, you, 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 if that's your thing, then this will be great. And if you watch the trailer and you're like, "That looks dumb," I totally understand. It's a smarter movie than it lets on. Much smarter. Yeah. So that's everything that we've got for the prelude this week. We're gonna take a small break. When we come back, we'll be going into the news and the weekly raid. The weekly raid. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is the Weekly Radar News Roundup for the week. There's a lot to talk about, so let's dive in. This is going to be a crazy week for news, by the way, so just kind of like seriously strap in. It's, it's going to get nuts. The purge of HBO Max has begun. The popular streaming service is set to remove at least 36 titles from their platform soon. This includes some HBO Max originals, content from Cartoon Network, and some acquired titles from other networks. It has been reported this is to prohibit some residual payments the company would have to pay out by having this content on their streaming platform. This comes in on the heels of about 17% of HBO's workforce being laid off. Fuck, dude. I, it, HBO is the best streaming service. <laughs> I know. We say it every week. What the fuck? Like, like uh, aside from Shudder, which, like, yeah. you can't get a more concentrated amount of what you want for a single service. Right. But it's the, such a cheap price, like five yeah, bucks a month. Exactly. But the next best thing is HBO Max. You will yeah. find more high-quality content on there than anywhere else and a more concentrated library. Mm-hmm. So what the fuck is going on? Why are we do? Well, why is this happening? I, it, it's... Do they not know what they have? I don't know. It, there's these weird budget cuts that seem to be happening over at HBO because of the purchase or merger or whatever of Discovery and all mm. of that. And it's like they ran the numbers and were like, bro, it costs too much to be HBO. Yeah, and what the like, fuck? And, like, and I'm like, my brother in Christ, you have Game of Thrones starting on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, well, what the fuck are you guys talking about? You guys right. run prestige series after prestige series, and and The Verge writes articles about you every right. fucking week, and, like, what's going on in your shows. People have exhaustive write-ups of Westworld, like, episode to episode. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, fucking Game of Thrones. Like, like right? come on, guys. For better or worse, Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's a weird state of affairs, and I'm wondering... I mean, I understand, like, you want to cut some of this content because you don't want to pay residuals, and that does get expensive over time, but... God, HBO really is like one of the best streaming platforms out there. And like yeah. part of it's the diversity of its portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, well, watching shit get cut is like super sad, especially when it comes to the animated stuff, because mm-hmm. they carry a lot of the best animated stuff sure. outside of like Disney Pixar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really weird. And the weird news keeps on going this week. The John Wick prequel series, The Continental, underwent a huge change this week. So this is the series that was going to be about a young version of the character, Winston, who runs the safe haven for assassins. Mm-hmm. And the big news this week is it was recently moved from Stars, which was its platform, which decent platform. So yeah. Stars is pretty big. Yeah. Over to the Peacock streaming service. Um, it seems like a well, poor choice. Fuck. Yeah, it's, it's a poor, poor choice. I mean, John Wick? Y- y'all couldn't have gotten... Like like a real streaming service, <laughs> right? Like people at least pay for stars. Yeah, like, I mean, I even like like fuck. I mean, even Discovery's got something on there. They're getting a right. bunch of HBO shit. Right? Why the Peacock? What the know. fuck is on the Peacock? Who they must have. Thrown, they had to have thrown money at this. Oh, for sure. But like people who stream Peacocks because they want to watch The Office because it's not on Netflix anymore. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I, like I don't understand. I, I, I don't know. I, I, the, it, the move doesn't make any sense to me. The pe- going with the peacock seems like a 
a, a poor decision. It seems, it seems like, like it, it seems to me like piracy's back on yeah, the menu. It, it seems to me like an invitation to like this is remember back in the day when HBO had like the season three of Game of Thrones is the most pirated show of all time. Yeah. That's about to get beaten. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's coming down to. Uh, Vince Gilligan, the brilliant mind between uh, behind Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, has begun work on a new project. Quote, word is the new show harkens back to Gilligan's tenure on the X-Files, but Ooh. don't expect a sci-fi drama where he was a writer-producer on the X-Files. Gilligan was more known for focusing on the human condition in his episodes, which is something he is said to be doing in his new series, exploring similar themes of bending reality while holding a mirror to reality. It is being compared to the Twilight Zone in terms of content. I don't like a lot of the X Files. Mm-hmm. Just personally, sure. as a TV person, I like the story episodes yep. that like advance the character and advance the plot. The Monster of the Week stuff doesn't really do it for me. Right? Maybe it would have back in the day, so I'd have some nostalgia for it. But it just yeah. doesn't because I watched it when I was like thirty three. Yeah. So I watched a little bit of it when I was younger, but it was never enough to really. Get me to want to watch all of it. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. And a friend of mine made me a list of all the story episodes, and I stopped when Mulder wasn't on the show anymore. That's what a lot of people Yeah. So that being said, I do have an absolute standout favorite episode of The X-Files, mm. and it is Gilligan's episode starring Brian Cranston. Okay. Because it's fucking incredible. Okay. And it belongs on a better show, like The Twilight Zone. <laughs> Well, that's apparently what he's doing now. That's, that's all, Vince Gilligan's The Twilight Zone strap me in. Right. Give me those fucking like eye holders from A Clockwork Orange. I am ready. <laughs> yeah, everything about this just screams like completely my shit. I'm super excited yeah. about it. Since uh, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone is no longer airing, we need something to fill that Twilight Zone gap in our life. Yeah, until like, like a Black Mirror comes out again, which is right. forever from now. Right, which is going to happen. It's yeah. right around the corner. They keep signing people and saying how good it's going to be. So here we go. Yeah, I'm excited. But, you you know, until then, yeah, I'm excited for this. Yellow Veil Pictures has picked up a new documentary for distribution. It's called King on Screen and has been approved by Stephen King himself. The documentary will provide insight into Stephen King's relationship with directors that have adapted his works over the years. Mm -hmm. It will include visionaries such as Frank Darabont, Mick Garris, Mike Flanagan, and Greg Nicotero, among others. Jeez. Yeah, I mean... If someone told me, hey, remember that time you worked with Stephen King? He's going to do a a thing on camera where he talks about his relationship with you and whether or not he likes what you made from his shit. Right. I'd be like, yeah, I want to be on that show. Do you think he'll address (laughs) the the shining of it all on there? I hope so. That's what most people are going there for. And far be it, because from what I understand, he was not happy with with what... uh, I forget Kubrick his name. did. Yeah, what did yeah. He was not happy with what Kubrick did, but what Kubrick did practically invented a style of filmmaking. Yeah. So how do you really talk about that? Right. And when you talk about adapting the work, obviously the made-for-TV one was more faithful. Mm-hmm. But how do you put a price on something like The Shining starring Jack Nicholson? Oh, yeah, I mean, the the influence of The Shining is so apparent that if you are at least even just a little bit of a film nerd, mm-hmm. that opening shot over the trees... Any movie that you see that does it after you've seen The Shining, you're mm-hmm. like, it's that's The Shining. Yeah. yeah Literally, yeah. opening of The Blair Witch 2, The Shining. Yeah, that, that's what we're doing. That's we're doing The Shining. Or we're doing uh, This Guy Loves The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So, man, I really hope so. And it's a it's a shame that Kubrick is no longer alive and can't be can't, a part can't of this. Defend himself. Right. But not that he would. He'd be like, I don't talk about my movies in front of people. I make the movie and you fucking figure it He's out. He's like, I just went and did like a bunch of coke and made a movie. Like, that's yeah. What we do. Dude, that's, it's not my fault. It's the best. Right. Fuck you. That's how that's we just a, did film back in the day. Yep. We were just abusive to our actors in a God, very unhealthy yeah. way. That shouldn't ever be replicated. Please don't do that. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't do what he did to anyone. Yeah. You know, wanting a real performance is one thing. Asking people to put themselves in real physical and mental distress mm-hmm. is entirely another. And someone needs to call CPS on him back in the day, right. or like same for Alfred Hitchcock. Oh God, yeah. Like, stop being a creep. Yeah, and we didn't even know that until like the last ten years. Like, by the way, Alfred Hitchcock totally a creep. I wonder how long it took in Hollywood for like it just to be like people who hold cameras at people who aren't watching, and like the creep factor was there right <laughs> up until someone was just like, "I just grew up loving movies. I don't, I, I, I don't, I'm not a creep at all. I just want right. to make things like you did." That is very true. Hopefully, the creep era died with Weinstein. Ugh, we we could only hope. Yeah, we could only hope. Let's talk about some some fun news here. Yeah. Uh, the director for the upcoming Ghosts of Tsushima movie, um, his name is Chad Selesky. Uh, he actually worked on John Wick as well. Yeah, he did. Um, has spoken about the direction that he wants to go for the film. He said that he would like to honor the game's homage to Akira, uh, Akira Kurosawa by filming it with a Japanese cast that will also deliver the dialogue in Japanese. He said that Sony is on board with backing him and his vision of the film. He went on to say that he feels that Western audiences are ready for a theatrical experience that would require subtitles. He cited Parasite and Squid Game as reasons why. Yeah, um, I mean, look, how do I say this without sounding... uh, Pompous isn't the right word, but it's the first word that comes to mind. Look, the gamers as a whole, the type of people that this movie would immediately attract, people who are like, I wonder what they're going to do with this, or people who played the game, like myself, who loved it and would love love to see an adaptation of it so that I could show my mom. My mom not, is not going to sit there while I play Ghost of Tsushima for 60 <laughs> right. hours so that she can get an incredible story, mm-hmm. but she'd watch a two-hour movie. Right. Now, the thing about this is we in the gaming space, especially those of us... Um, <laughs> I love that there's an asterisk here. Millennial and older. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been playing Japanese games for a long fucking time. True. A lot of us prefer Japanese dialogue with subtitles over a Japanese original license. I think more importantly, license. what you're missing is that a lot of them are fucking weebs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Think about the way we watch our anime. I don't mean to lump anime lovers and gamers together, but there is some fucking overlap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, considering how many anime games there are and that I own. Mm-hmm. Um, then there... We're used to it. We're, we, you do not be afraid. I know Hollywood is afraid of subtitles, especially yeah. when the movie is expensive. But do also, not be afraid of it. It's also a state of fact that even currently, the rate at which people turn subtitles on for movies has mm-hmm. increased exponentially, even if they are in the same language as they are watching the film. Yeah. Because people are like, the sound quality shit, so turn mm-hmm. on subtitles. Yep. Or I'm doing something else while I watch this, so turn on subtitles. Yeah, and it's becoming a, more and more of a thing for movies to be ready for this sort of thing. And this is my favorite. I just thought of this. This is fun. Okay, so... Um, in Ghost of Tsushima, mm-hmm. everyone speaks Japanese. You can turn on Japanese or English, and that's fine. Right. You are being invaded by Mongolians. Mm-hmm. You do not get to know what they're saying. Oh, wow. At all. 
hmm. in the game. It takes you forever to figure. Like it, it, at the beginning of the game, you hear them say the same thing when they do certain attacks, hmm. and eventually you start to realize what it means. Right, and that is truly exceptional because you're learning something the same way your character does, and that's good gameplay. Yes. That's good video game. Recently in the movie that we both seen, RRR, mm-hmm. you had a people speaking Telugu and people speaking Hindi and people speaking English. Yep. And they all spoke in their native tongues during the movie. So mm-hmm. they had a hell of a time dubbing and subtitling this movie mm-hmm. for Western and even different parts of India. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not to mention China and Russia and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Spain and everywhere else. Yeah. But... The work was multicultural, so they made it multicultural. They weren't afraid of it. And outside the United States, and this really does mean something because the United States isn't as big as it used to be, this was the most popular movie in the world this year. It was. And it was such a beautiful movie. And the musical numbers, and we've talked about RRR, but seriously, yeah. it's on Netflix. Yeah. If you just want to feel good for three hours, and it is three hours long, yeah. watch that movie. Watch the movie. Well, seriously, <laughs> I, I, I can't say it enough. But what I'm saying is, so we have the same opportunity with mm-hmm. Ghost to have a truly multicultural movie and I know one culture is a bad guys but hey we did it with the English and RRR and it was fine uh, so you know that we have different cultures let them speak their own language let them be let there be a language gap let us know how they overcame it right. instead of just trying to entertain us the whole time because their growth feels like our growth if you tell the story right it is true so yeah no, I, I I love this idea. And I know we spent too much time talking about this one news point, but I feel like but it's this very is a important. good thing. I have one question because you've played Ghost of Tsushima. And oh, yeah. Not. Do they film it in black and white or they do a Mad Max? Oh, they definitely do a Mad Max. So in color, but with a black and white cut? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you can do you can do a black and white cut. You can even do it with film grain to mm-hmm. have, you know, uh, like there is a Kurosawa filter in right. the game. Okay. And they could make the movie like that and shoot it to make it look good that way. But if it were me, a lot like the game, because the game is so built on knowing the land. And if you understand how the land is working and what it's telling you, then you know how to follow it. Use color. Because from what from what you've told me about the game, the land really is almost a character in and of itself. Oh, absolutely. Right. Not only that, but it also functions as your map. You have a map, but it is not interactive. There's no breadcrumb crumb trail. You decide what you're going to do, and the blowing wind moving through the grass and the trees literally shows you where to go. And mm. if you walk close by a and, and side activity, I would say it's such a refreshing note to hear that because in games where we feel like. I don't want to use the term developers are lazy because any developer who works on a video game is obviously working very, very hard and we respect your craft. Right. But some games just throw a giant arrow on the screen. Oh, and yeah. Say, or they put a compass way. over your head and put right. a little point. Right. And you just and point your fine. character at I that. I understand that that's part of your game design. But when you talk about Ghost of uh, Tsushima and you're like, you can just follow the wind. And yeah. The wind tells you where to go. I'm like, and it's a fucking adventure. I love that. That's uh, and then you like a, a, a fox shows up occasionally or something. Yes, that, that's the thing. Oh, as you're following the wind towards your goal, there are certain things that you can notice as you travel the world that will lead you in another direction. Mm-hmm. Either a NPC will run up to you as you walk by their normal route and say, "Hey, oh my god, I need help. I'm so glad right. you're here." Recognizing you as a samurai, or because they're surrounded 
they're being invaded by Mongolians, mm-hmm. or you will see a tree glowing with fireflies out in the distance, and you know what the fuck that is. That's a fox den. Mm-hmm. Or you'll just see a fox out on the road because you cross his path. Yeah. Or a yellow starling will tweet above your head and will lead you to a different kind of activity. But can you pet the fox? You absolutely can pet the fox, but he'll only let you pet him if you complete his challenge. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. So this is the way the game works, and I would love to see the world show the main character just have a relationship with his island because Mm -hmm. he grew up on it and he knows how to let it talk to him because he spends time meditating and playing his flute and contemplating nature Mm -hmm. and things like his family and death and what it means to be strong and what it means to be fluid. Yeah. But this movie has endless potential, and I would really love to see it be done justice. And judging by the way the director is talking, it sounds like it just might. I love this. I'm I love excited. everything about this. I'm excited. I will definitely need to spend some time playing this game at some point. You do. I, I, you you have a PS5. The PS5 upgrade makes it run at 60 FPS the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just absolutely beautiful. It flows correctly. And it's one of those games where when, the com- when you feel like you have control of the combat, you feel fucking in. Invincible. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. I told you it was a weird news week. So let's keep that train rolling. Spider-Man for PC came out this week and has been receiving a lot of praise and even more game mods. We are seeing tons of fun mods like people playing as the Kingpin or even Stanley himself. Somebody made a Stanley mod so you could just be Spider-Man, but you're Stanley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I knew as soon as as soon as this um, this game came out i was like oh oh here come the mods yep because and it was funny because it was right after stray and people were like making homer simpson the cat in stray and as soon as spider-man came out and even on the ps5 they will do the opening cutscene with every version of his costume Mm -hmm. for like new game plus just to show you all the different permutations all i'm thinking is like homer simpson like swinging from a web out in the city uh yeah this is wonderful Wonderful. This is the best superhero game since Batman Arkham Asylum, by the way, when it comes to feeling like the character and story and just an actual experience that is worthy of a video game and worthy of Spider-Man, which is saying a lot Mm -hmm. because they've been trying Spider-Man for a long time and it's been good often, but it's never been good like this. It's true. So there's a ton of mods that are coming out for Spider-Man and a lot of these mods are hosted on the site Nexus Mods. Um, who actually made some pretty great headlines this week. So hang with us. This is going to be a rough thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this week, a Spider-Man modder created a new account on Nexus Mods and began hosting a mod that removes any of the pro-LGBTQ plus content in the game, such as Pride Flags. Mm. If you have not played Spider-Man, there's a whole section for the there's yeah. a whole pride, you yeah. know, street and it's great and it's it's fantastic. This is a great game for representation. It's yeah. in New York and it takes the boroughs into account and it takes all the different people that live in it into account yeah. and it presents them as they are in a beautiful way, especially once you get to the Miles Morales portion. So the uh, modder came in and removed all of the pride flags by putting in American flags and just mm. and, and by again, they made a new account to do this. They yeah. knew what they were doing mm-hmm. when they did this. Um, so when all this content was being removed, uh, the admins came out 
And, you know, I'm just going to let the mods speak for themselves. So I'll go ahead and just quote them. Mm -hmm. They said, the fact that the user needed to make a sock puppet like a coward to upload this mod showed their intent to troll and they knew that it would not be allowed. Had they not been a coward and used our main account instead, we would have simply removed the mod and told them that we didn't want to host them, only banning them if they re-uploaded the mod after being fairly warned. If this policy upsets you, if we've broken some moral code of conduct as a business that you can't accept, then please delete your account and move on as we will. Fuck yeah. Sometime later, another large mod site, ModDB, put out a tweet about that exact same mod, which had also been uploaded to their site. And they said, Hi, we've removed the content and banned the users. ModDB is an inclusive environment for all. We do not permit targeting marginalized groups. Our content moderation is largely automated, but when identified, we have a zero tolerance policy for this kind of content. Fuck, man. Feels good? It feels amazing. Imagine running a business and being able to act correctly without mind you, they run a worrying site. about the bottom line. Yeah. They, they run a site that really technically doesn't generate money. Right. I mean, they have ads on the site and stuff like that, and they they depend on their users for content for the most part, but they just want to service it and they and not charge for it in a way that lets people have access to play the games the way they want. Right. And I can't tell you how big my relationship with Nexus Mods is. Mm-hmm. The amount of mods I had installed while playing The Witcher 3 is insane. <laughs> you can customize that game to the end of the earth, okay. and it's wonderful. Um, the amount of mods I had installed in Monster Hunter World, mm-hmm. just to make a little quality of life things better. Okay. Absolutely wonderful. I think that when I originally started playing Monster Hunter World, you were like, you need to download these like five mods before yeah. you even start. Yeah, j- yeah. just because you, 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 it'll make your life better. Right. Trust me. All the organization. Think about playing Skyrim without mods. I mean, I can't think about playing Skyrim. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The playing Skyrim without mods was incredibly painful. Think about playing World of Warcraft without mods. I mean, I didn't know you could mod World of Warcraft. Oh yeah, yeah. It's mostly UI, okay. but like my UI was never based. Like yeah. like when I was based, when I was, <laughs> it was my first MMO, <laughs> and I was a baby fledgling Hector. little Torin thinking I'm going to be a warrior. I wasn't going to be a warrior. Little baby Hector running around staring at elf girls. Yep, but I there, I had mods <laughs> because the UI was not good enough. Yep, but. They've all been from Nexus Mods, mm-hmm. all and forever, and they have earned my love literally forever for this. Yeah, um, yeah, this is fantastic. It's a I love bold it. statement for these, these groups that basically don't make that much revenue off of what they do, and they provide a service to gamers to come out and be like, oh no, motherfuckers, yeah. this is an inclusive space, and you need to get the fuck out. Yeah, fucking bigots not welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Big, big old sign. Fuck racists. All right. We got to talk about something heavy here, Hector. All right. I know. I'm sorry. It's not Blizzard this week. Weird. I know, right? <laughs> we have Blizzard news. It's actually good. I saved it for the end. Or yeah. end-ish. Mm. Okay. A report has come out this week alleging that Nintendo of America and their contractor staffing company, Aerotech, have fostered an environment that has allowed workplace harassment to occur. The report says that Nintendo's testing department is run like a, quote, frat house, and that female and queer contractors are frequently subject to inappropriate conduct from the full-time male employees, who are referred to in the report as what they call red badges. Mm. Here are some of the examples that were provided in the report. A tester was invited to a channel on Microsoft Teams where they shared memes that sexualized a childlike Genshin Impact character, as well as Pokemon. 
One female contractor shared that she was stalked by a senior tester. One Nintendo of America manager apparently viewed contractors as a quote-unquote dating pool. One senior employee instructed another to inquire about the color of a female contractor's underwear at a gala that Nintendo of America sponsored. Jesus. Openly queer employees were forced to repeatedly turn down advances by male employees who at times admonished them for being queer. Queer couples also reported that they were reprimanded for violating a no-touch policy that straight couples rarely faced consequences by ever. There were pay discrepancies between female and male employees, even as contractors. Employees felt that they could not be vocal about their complaints for fear of repercussions internally and throughout the gaming industry due to Nintendo's influence. After the report came out, Nintendo of America's Doug Bowser sent out an internal email to employees. Quote, we have strict policies to design and protect our employees and associates from inappropriate work conduct and expect full compliance with these policies by all who work for us. We have and will always investigate any allegations we become aware of and are actively investigating these most recent claims. In that email, he went on to say, please remember that our HR teams are here to support you. If you experience, have experienced, witnessed, or have witnessed anything concerning such behavior that is contradictory to our standards of conduct, employee handbook, or company values, please immediately contact your HR business partner. Now, mind you, last year, Doug Bowser openly called out Activision Blizzard for the sexual harassment claims that were made at that time, saying that they were both distressing and disturbing and that, quote, sexual harassment and toxicity run counter to my values as well as to Nintendo's beliefs, values, and policies. Now, before you say something, mm-hmm. I, I want to I start the closing argument on this one myself mm-hmm. this time instead of just passing the baton to you. For what it is worth, I genuinely do not think Doug Bowser knew this was going on at the company. Mm-hmm. He's the president. He had other things going on. When we talk about what happened with Activision Blizzard, Bobby Kotick is listed by name as a participant in the things that happened. True. This happened with their QA department and, and the tester groups of Nintendo of America. I do not think that he was made aware of it. I'm not saying that that is a, I'm not trying to pass buck. Right. I am just trying to say that there has not been enough evidence that would say that this man is a Bobby Kotick. Right. And I 100% agree. I really do. What I... So here's the next thing, right? Because I don't know Doug Bowser to have a history of ignoring shit like this. Like, we don't have, like, reports of him, like, you know, trying to grope someone in 2008 or some shit like that. Or ever doing any of the normal, you know, CEO bad behavior that they end up in headlines for. But he did make a big show of saying, this is not what my company is going to be. Um, yeah, absolutely fucking not. He he was like, yeah, all of this runs count contrary to what we are as a company. Mm-hmm. So now what I would say to Doug Bowser, while giving him the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. is put your fucking money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. I want, I, I mean, just be like, hey, our investigation turned up these people. They were immediately let go. Um, I mean, don't fucking release their names to the press, but be like, yeah, these motherfuckers. Right. I mean, like, there's a part of my heart that's like, fucking release their name to the oh, press. Oh, for sure. And they'll but, be fired. Anyone looking will figure it out. Right. And that's just the nature of being fired for this shit. And that's good. But I mean, professionally. Yeah, you don't need to dox them. It's like, here's where right, I live. Right. You right. know, but it, straight up, just start letting people go. Right. Anyone accused of this type of stuff, immediate suspension without pay, conduct your investigation. Mm. And if nothing happened, put them back in, pay them for their back time. Be like, hey, we're sorry. But I get, I'm guessing there won't be many of those. 
Right. And the more you investigate, the more you're going to have to let some people go, the more you're going to have to and hire some good and I think people. He needs to have, he needs to be clear on the situation. He needs to go, let's pretend that this process takes three months. Mm-hmm. At the end of three months, and we haven't talked about any more harassment at Nintendo, mm-hmm. he goes to Kotaku or whoever the source is and says, All right, here's the deal. Yeah. I will not tell you the details of our investigation. I will let you know a shitload of people just got let go from Nintendo mm-hmm. because we do not tolerate that bullshit. Right. And this is what I mean but by like, put your money it, where your it, mouth is. Nicer language because it's Nintendo. Yeah, sure. But like, like again, like that. This is an expensive process. Yeah. This is why most businesses won't do it because cleaning house of your sexes is kind of like cleaning your police department of wife beaters. You're gonna mm-hmm. lose forty percent of your people. Right. So it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you gotta you know you gotta put your money where your mouth is. You gotta invest the time, energy, and manpower into replacing mm-hmm. these fuck asses. Right. And it just. Don't hire I, people I, like this anymore. I think that uh, I'm not trying to put too much credit on Nintendo, but I think that if anybody's going to fucking do it, I think it's going to be Nintendo. I really hope so. Yeah. Um, my fingers are crossed that the right thing is done here. No. I know I that feel in like the games if, industry, this has not happened in the past. I feel like if Nintendo falls, then there's just no hope for the game industry at all. If they just oh, yeah. let it go and we're just like, well, then if Nintendo won't fix it, the family wholesome company. Yeah, we, we, we can trust it. like almost no AAA studios at that point. Right. It's just, yeah. there it is. Like, yeah, no, I do not for a minute think that Doug Bowser was aware of this stuff that was happening. And again, I'm not trying to give like credit to a corporation, but Nintendo has consistently earned my respect for the way that they do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some asshole practices. Like I've read the history of Nintendo in like five different books and they definitely have had some asshole practices. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, it's not like they're super pro consumer or anything, right. but you know, they, they make children's games, and they've always made... But the- they do have an image to maintain. Absolutely. There, there's a fucking purity test for Nintendo the same way there is for Disney. Right. And the thing of it is, and I'm not... The thing of it is, is we specifically talk about this in terms of Nintendo of America. This is, yeah. This is Nintendo of America. And we have The thing to. is, this news gets released, and the higher-ups at Nintendo of Japan read about this, they will definitely rain hell in high water. Because oh, I, yeah. I, I've been working on Reggie's book on Audible, mm-hmm. and he has talked about how much power Nintendo of Japan has. Oh, yeah. When they want to rain hellfire and brimstone down on Nintendo of America, it will happen. And they will not take having their name drugged through the mud like this. Mm-mm. Nintendo has always been in the, uh, practically the exact same way Disney has. So image conscious mm-hmm. that they'll own, let, in Japan, they won't let anything besmirch their name. Like, like they are Nintendo and they are, you know, the good company, your friend, the thing that belongs in your home, the thing you can trust your children with. I, really I honestly almost would not want to be Doug Bowser in that meeting. Yeah. You know what it sounds like for me? And this is going to make me old. Um, I'm going to talk about Evangelion for a minute. There's a scene <laughs> in Evangelion where you have like the big boss Gendo and he sits in this room and there's these 12 like screens. There's screens. Sure. But you can't see who's on the screen. Mm-hmm. They just have symbols on them. Yeah. And these like ominous voices talk to him about like what he has to do to like change the world and he's basically just sweating bullets while he does it mm-hmm. and he's just like yep yeah absolutely right absolutely gonna do that thing like that's what I feel like would, would happen to Doug Bowser yeah at that point. yeah full on absolutely so yeah hopefully um, if Nintendo in Japan has anything to say about this hopefully he makes a big show out of cleaning house yeah. and hopefully not just shows... for Nintendo but for the rest of the industry oh yeah that's what I'm saying if Nintendo shows the other AAA studios what the model is on how to clean house house to get your reputation back yeah the industry is uh, the triple a industry is better now any studios are way ahead of you guys light years ahead of you guys mm-hmm. 
They've got they've got unionized workers. They've got, you know, guaranteed weekends. They've got no crunch time. Mm-hmm. You can at least keep your employees from being sexually harassed by assholes. Yep. At the bare minimum. Bare fucking minimum. The bar is low. It is and so we low. are begging for you to just please just like lift one <laughs> knee over it and just not touch it while you walk over. Right. Please do not harass the bar. Don't yeah, do not harass the bar. So Fun news. Let's go back to fun news. We, All had, right. we had heavy news. Let's go to fun <laughs> news. On the EA store in India, the upcoming FIFA 23 game went up this week for the low, low price of about six cents. Okay. So this it was coming for pre, this was a pre-order. All right. So it, they put up the pre-order. They fuck up the pre-order. Yep. It goes up for six cents. FIFA, very popular in India. Mm-hmm. People pre-ordered the fuck out of FIFA for six cents. Oh, fuck yeah. Probably the entire country probably pre-ordered it. And when we it. say pre-order, we mean like that's the full purchase price they yeah. paid for the game. Yeah, Here, here's a billion pre-orders for six cents. Yeah. Lol. So when asked about it, EA actually came out and said, uh, look, it was our mistake and we wanted to let you know we're going to be honoring all pre-purchases made at that price. Okay. Which I, you know what, for what it's worth, it's pretty easy to make that statement. When your game is riddled riddled with loot boxes and you're going to be charging hundreds of thousands of dollars to unlock your content. Really easy to put your game on sale for six cents. Yeah, that's the dirty little secret here. Right. That's the dirty little secret is that no one one who plays FIFA has, let's say, for the sake of argument, as I don't know whether this is accurate or not, that FIFA year redacted of any year cost sixty dollars. Right. No zero FIFA fans have ever paid sixty dollars for a FIFA game since the invention of transactions via the internet. Yep. Literally zero of them. That's not how you play a FIFA game. You play a FIFA game by opening your wallet to it yep. and watching soccer happen in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So, like every, they didn't even care. Whatever that $60 yeah. was, I yeah. bet you most of their people are going to double that in microtransactions and, and loot boxes. that's the thing that none of the news outlets are talking about, because I always cross-reference all of my articles before I put them in the show. And all of them are like, they're either like, LOL, like EA did a bad, or good on EA for, you know, selling their game for what they accidentally put it up for. Nobody's talking about the fact that, yeah, they can do that, because to them... A game that should be free to play with loot boxes, mm-hmm. and even that's still gross, but yeah. like free to play with loot boxes, they still got six cents out of that. Yeah. Everywhere else, they'll still be charging 60, 70 bucks for it, and then making people pay more for it on top of it. It yeah. is just pure profit to EA. Yeah. And honestly, giving them the Let's free <laughs> publicity to say like, oh yeah, like we're going to honor our things because we're a good company, yep. even though we're going to make sure we charge you $5,000 on the back end to unlock your favorite fucking soccer player. Yeah, and like, let's not forget that like based on currency exchange, they probably make more from pre-sales in the, in the EU than they do in India because yep. of the currency difference and the exchange rate and blah, 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 blah. But... Do you have do you have the bit where earlier this week it, it, FIFA said our fans actually love our loot boxes? By the way, that was a thing that they did say. Yeah, it? yeah, that they they got, went ahead and got in an article and said, "Look, our fans buy their loot boxes. They fucking love them." And like, no, they fucking don't. No, they fucking don't. You, you build the game so that they cannot play without them. Yep. No, they fucking don't love your loot boxes, dude. It's gross. It's so gross. It's absolutely gross. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck you guys. Man. All right. Fuck FIFA. One piece of news left. Obviously, we always save Blizzard for last. We're not talking about anything bad today, actor. Okay. It has been 
Let's put up the. the we really need the, the thing on the wall. It's been seven days. Seven since days news. since bad Blizzard news. That is where we are at. We are officially at seven days. The Diablo 4 quarterly update was released this week. These reports from the developers outline the roadmap for Diablo 4 and what to expect from the game. Discussed this time around were that seasons, like in Diablo 3, will okay. be making a comeback. Nice. They also announced that Diablo 4 will have a battle pass and an in-game shop. Mm-hmm. However, unlike the mobile game Diablo Immortal, the Diablo 4 developers have promised that everything in the content will be cosmetic only. There will be no pay-for-power mechanics saying that the paid reward track will be, quote, focused on aesthetics, offering cosmetic skins tailored to the season's theme, as well as premium currency that can be used in the game's cosmetic shop. I say if Microsoft owns them by the time this game comes out, that might be true. (laughs) Otherwise, horseshit. (laughs) Absolute horseshit. They said the exact same thing about Diablo Immortal before it came out, and then it came out and they're like, Look, most of our pairs, d- players don't even pay for power in, in, until they have to. Right. Uh, it, it's like, wait, you said it was all cosmetic. It was. It, it, and, and then it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. This is the same shit that Call of Duty and all of the other like shooters have been getting away with for years, where the demo comes out and there's no microtransactions and they've literally tucked away all the ways that you will continue to pay to play this game right. until it comes out and you realize, oh, let me get my wallet. Yep. Let me get my wallet. I'm going to play online. Let me get my wallet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Fuck. Here's but, yeah. hoping. I love like. The, here's hoping here's Diablo hoping. 4 is a fucking Xbox Game Pass exclusive. Right. There you go. It might be. I hope so. Could be. We'll see. It has been seven days since the last Blizzard incident. Will they make it through Gamescom this next week? Oh. <laughs> we shall see. If they, if they say anything at it, maybe not. <laughs> Gamescom does start next week. Uh, We will be trying to cover that as much as possible. We're going to probably make that the entire theme of the episode if we Mm -hmm. do that. Um, I'm in a weird spot where I'm going to be between one job. I've quit one job and starting another job during next week. So I'll be doing a lot of work on the show itself. Hell yeah. Trying to just get improvements. Everything that I've been doing on the show recently, like getting the intro and exit theme. By the way, I hope you guys like that. We really love our intro and exit theme. Yeah, it's great. Um, The sound effects that we use. Uh, We're going to be getting new icon art soon. Uh, We're going to be working on new Twitch layouts so that we're not just too dudes sitting on a screen talking into the void Mm -hmm. um so we i've got a lot of things around the corner um just even i know we usually say this for the end of the show but thank you to our patrons because you guys are the reason i can actually do these upgrades on the show yeah um so it really does mean a lot to us to we are finally getting the show to where we really want it to be hector and i are working together as a team and really trying to really refine what we have here for everyone Mm -hmm. um and we always want feedback so if there's something that you like don't like Please let us know. Yeah, you know, like, absolutely. Yeah, we always want to find ways to improve ourselves. So any um, in any encouragement or feedback you have would be very much appreciated. But the show is not over yet Correct. because we have some fun stuff to talk about upcoming in the boss room. Boss room. Hey everyone, welcome to the boss room. Our main discussion for the week, sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week, we're going to be continuing our fun but flawed series, diving into movies that we really love but might not be perfect in some people's eyes. Just remember, everyone, as we get into this discussion, that art is, in fact, subjective, y'all. That's right. You can't tell us we're wrong. (laughs) So how do we want to define a fun but flawed movie? I would say that it's a movie that you enjoy very much, despite either being a box office flop, Mm -hmm. having giant plot holes, or maybe it's just not very well reviewed. That's fine. Um, See, let me tell you about my thought process when you gave me this title, because my first thoughts when you said fun but flawed were movies that... 
and, and I was wrong about this, but it was the first thing that came to mind was movies that I enjoy for reasons other than they are fun. So my my first instinct was like anything by No Gaspar, um, Climax, uh, Spring Breakers, shit that sucks to watch, but is really fun to talk about. <laughs> These, these are the wrong I was movies. Say, you sound like me talking about Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, yeah. These are the wrong movies. This is not what I came to the conclusion that we were asking for. Yeah. If you ever want to do a God, I can't believe I watched that movie, but let's talk about it endlessly because it's fascinating. I do that's, have some of those. Yeah, that, that's a whole, whole whole different topic and can, really really long title. You can donate to Patreon for that one. Damn right. <laughs> but that's not what I did. I found movies that you know what. I love either because I grew up with them or because they're, they're just a good time yeah. and they're, but they're not fucking perfect. And they're not even, they're not even like triple a. So before we go into this and before I, I know what a lot of our audience has listened to us for a long time, I think they know what's about to come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, I will not be talking about 13 ghosts. Okay. I will not be talking about the frighteners. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You can't. And this is why I had such a hard time making this list. I can't talk about my favorite movies. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be able to tell you why they're flawed. Yeah. So I'm just throwing that out there. Yes, those are two of my favorite movies of all time. But I have talked endlessly about those movies on the show. Here we go. So, Hector, what is your first one? My first one, and I love that this is my first one because it really sets the tone, Face Off. Starring John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. Two very, very fine actors at... The height of both of their popularity. Mm-hmm. This was directed by John Woo. This was kind of the RRR of our child. Like, like, wow. <laughs> Hector. Hector. You have two stars. Two stars that are both like AAA $20 million stars. And they put them both in this movie sure they did. to act opposite each other at the height of their fame. Yep. While they had both. Well, no. Uh, Cage coming off of a fucking Michael Bay movie mm-hmm. and Travolta having done everything from indie art house to goddamn Grease. Yeah. Like everyone in America knew who both of these actors were. Mm-hmm. And John Woo puts them together and makes them pretend to be the other guy. Yeah. Makes Love them, that. Yeah. Let me describe for you really quickly if you've never seen this movie. In this movie, um, there is a famous terrorist doing some terrorist shit. And then you have John Travolta, the FBI agent, um, who cannot wait to catch his man who's been hunting this guy for years because the guy literally killed his son in a flashback. Like, this is some epic, like, cop movie 90s shit, right? So, in this movie, John Travolta, in the first, like, 45 minutes of the movie, maybe even 30 minutes, it's basically the opening scene, catches Nicolas Cage and takes him to jail, knocks him unconscious, basically. Mm-hmm. He knocks him unconscious, re- registers him a vegetable, and he's like, we did it, job well done, let's go home. And then they find out this guy's got a bomb somewhere, and the only person who knows is his brother. And this guy's unconscious, he's not waking up anytime soon, he doesn't respond to pain, and we, we the only way we're going to find this bomb is if we talk to this guy's brother. Yeah. So, uh, what do we do? His brother won't talk to anyone except him. So what we're going to do with this movie is we're going to cut Nicolas Cage's face off. <laughs> His face, right off. And then we're going to cut John Travolta's fucking face off. <laughs> and then we're going to put Nicolas Cage's face onto John Travolta and have him walk around pretending to be his brother so that he can go to the world's most secure prison mm-hmm. 
it, 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 as being a fucking cop <laughs> and talk to his criminal brother as his brother to try and be like, yo, bro, where'd we put that bomb I planted? <laughs> this is the plot of Face Off. It is ridiculous. But goddamn, is this movie fun. It is adrenaline-packed. It is amazing. And remember, this movie was made well before we were CGing everything. So you really just had a little bit of CG and, like, a lot of practical effects when Mm. it came to the surgery scenes. And then it was just acting. And and, and, and the rest was just fucking Nicolas Cage giving his performance as John Travolta Mm. and vice versa. And these actors are electric in these performances. Mm. Watching... Nicholas Cage pretend to be Joel Travolta pretending to be Nicholas Cage was immaculate. <laughs> it was wonderful. And yes, it's a very very quotable movie. Thank you Twitch chat. It's an incredibly quotable movie. Um and yeah, that, I, I can't get enough of it. Is that the one that was the I could eat a peach for hours one? I could eat a peach for hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh it, it, yeah, the, the, the movie is absolute slock. It is 90s <laughs> cheese. It is John Woo action. There's literally a scene where one of the characters walks through a church with doves at his feet and as he walks oh, forward they that. fly. Yep. They fly in, into the air before the gunfire starts. It's yeah, I I can't recommend it enough. This is a very flawed movie and if you take even a second to think about it, it's kind of fucking stupid. Yep. But but man, that's a fun movie. I made a long list, and I know that we couldn't get through all of them. Oh, sure, and, yeah. And hearing you talk about Face Off, it at least inspired me to make my first pick. Mm-hmm. And I felt really bad. I had to do a little bit of search for more modern films because a lot of the stuff that I picked is like old. It's like '90s and '80s. Like yeah, that's oh, me a too. Lot of the camp that I had picked out. But one of the ones that I do want to talk about, and yep, yeah. it is a fun but flawed movie, is the 1995 film Hackers. Yeah, hackers. Because, <laughs> not to bring it back to 13 ghosts, but everybody on this show should know that I'm a giant Matthew Lillard fan. He once mm-hmm. responded to one of my tweets, and I have it saved because it made me very happy that he responded to one of my tweets about 13 ghosts. Mm-hmm. That is how much I love Matthew Lillard, and I love the fact that he very much is a person who just wants to, to act in things and also defend his fellow actors when bad things happen to them. That's right. He does that. He is a great human being, and I love him. So, Hackers, the 1995 film is about a group of hackers. Um, You're also a massive Ryan Phillippe fan. I am. Mm-hmm. I am. Big fan. Huge crush, actually. Mm, well, he's, yeah, he's, same. He's one of my man crushes. Uh, Cruel Intentions. Oh. You know, Cruel Intentions should have probably gone on this list. Yeah, uh, I mean... <sighs> I would. I like that movie in a different way. Yeah. But yeah. It was, I, it was a very specific mm-hmm. time and place in my life. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, like the, the Hackers is this story of a young kid who is a quote unquote hacker who got into like the government like files and he got suspended from the internet for like 10 years <laughs> and then he gets unsuspended from the internet, but he's super famous, but he has no idea that he's super famous. He's never been on the internet and he runs into a bunch of other hackers at the school and they uncover a plot by the adults who are siphoning money, literally the plot of Superman part two or whatever, part three, where they're taking cent like cents of like fractions of cents from a bank yep. and they uncover this big mystery because they're all using hacker skills. By the way, just to throw this out there, it was one of the first 
movies that I probably ever saw that actually did use real, like, actual, like, Unix commands in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you you know, actually got, like, like text on black screen, yeah. and they were like, what do we put and, there? But you could actually, like, recognize some of the commands they were doing the way that, like, if you were watching Mr. Robot, and, yeah. you, knew, and you knew, you're like, oh, yeah, he's actually, like, using real shit there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of cheesy stuff to it. Um, the way that they interpret the way the internet looks um, is really <laughs> tubes. corny. It's a series of it's tubes. tubes. Like, pendulettes in it yeah. for, like, no fucking reason. Um, the main bad guy like rides around on a skateboard and is really skeezy towards his girlfriend which mm-hmm. is basically accurate to yeah. like corporate people um the all the main angelina J- jolie gets topless at one point i forgot uh, about that like weirdly uh, yeah weirdly like that's a thing and, yeah. and weird because they're all supposed to be in high school like when yeah. you think when you go back and really think about that you're like maybe that should not have been mm, a thing yeah uh but i think they were all seniors so maybe that's that gray area of hollywood yeah that's the that, that's um, the um the the American Pie cutoff. Right, right. Then you have Matthew Lillard's character, serial killer, who is like the most balls to the wall, batshit insane character. I once based a Vampire the Masquerade character on him. Nice. That's how much I love this movie. And I, I was going into a LARP and I had been kind of tired of running LARPs for a while and I wanted to do something really stupid. So I literally wrote a character sheet that was Matthew Lillard's character from Hackers. And... I was expecting it to be a normal LARP, and then I walked into it, and they're like, by the way, did you know this is a cyberpunk LARP? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh. I might be more accurate than I, I meant to be. I, I jokingly, like, nobody has ever, so you got to understand, this was around the early 2000s. Nobody, mm. when, there's a fame stat in Vampire. When you take the fame stat, it's always like fame movies, fame, like, TV, fame music. Nobody would have ever taken the fame trait online. Mm-hmm. I just thought it would be funny and stupid. I was yeah. like, I'm putting all of these experience points into fame five which is like the max stat and i'm putting it online mm. and they're like oh well that actually is really relevant here and i'm like well motherfucker but yes yeah, like, <laughs> not getting into vampire but yeah hackers is corny it's over the top it is endlessly quotable oh yeah like hack the planet to this day like i would get that shit tattooed on me that's how much i love it it is corny and that is a reason why it is flawed but it's totally fun mm, hell yeah all right i think my next one has to be m night Shyamalan's the happening Ooh, that one came up on a lot of lists that I saw this. Uh, this mm-hmm. going. So why def- defend this movie to me? Okay, let me tell you what this movie is about. I'm going to completely spoil it for you. Spoilers for a movie from 2008 for anyone anyone paying attention. Yeah, so The Happening is a movie. <laughs> is a movie by M. Not Shyamalan where there's a twist and they're usually horror movies and this is one. People all of a sudden, out of nowhere, start killing themselves in it almost uh, it, in the most brutal and genuinely creative ways. And no one can figure out why, but they seem to be a, just generally running in a certain direction until they get the gumption to kill themselves. And then they do or everyone around them, you know, until they do. And the movie starring uh, Marky Mark himself um, turns out it was plants. It, it, it's fucking trees. The, the, the trees are what's making everyone kill themselves because nature was like, you know what? Too many humans. Let's make pollen, make them kill themselves. And then it did. So that's movie. the movie. It's a, it's, a, it's a hilariously stupid <sighs> twist in a remarkably simple plot with Marky Mark level acting. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why this movie is fun. The entire run of the movie, you are watching people get fucking murked in the most hilarious ways possible. People running their cars straight into trees, flying out the window, realizing it didn't kill them, watching a guy mow his lawn 
without paying attention and then just walking onto his lawn and laying down in front of the lawnmower. Like, like, like this is a, one of many, but people literally just start offing themselves and each other in the most hilarious ways, and it goes throughout the entire movie. I will say this movie, while I didn't like it, there, yeah, there's, not, there's there, not much to like. There's there's at least one scene that actually made me bust out laughing, which is rare to do when I'm watching a movie. Mm. And I forget what happened. There's like one of the main characters runs into a plant and like freaks the fuck out and then like touches it. And then they're just like, oh, it's plastic. And yeah. for whatever reason, that <laughs> scene just fucking made me lose it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, it has its moments. It absolutely does. But that, that movie can be, if you go into it knowing you're watching a Shyamalan movie and being ready to, you know, fucking laugh at some shit, it can be a lot of fun, especially in a group of people who are ready to dunk on it, you know, for the runtime. That's a fun sure. movie. That's, that's a watch night movie. Sure. On my list, next for fun but flawed movies, I'm going to say Starship Troopers. Ooh, okay, yeah. I'm a Neil Patrick Harris fan. All right. Uh, Starship Troopers, I don't know if it was the right time, the right place, and I was just young enough. Mm -hmm. I I read the book afterwards, and the book is way more serious and way more pro-government. Oh, it's very fascist, Yeah, it's a very fascist (laughs) book, all things considered. I still read that book once a year, Mm. understanding the content. I take away something new every year. The movie Starship Troopers is a deconstruction of all of that. Oh, yeah. And a parody of most of it. And the performances that are delivered are so intentionally over the top Mm -hmm. and so pro-war propaganda that it spirals into anti-war propaganda. Yeah. Remember, they prefer the kids, uh, even and it it, it is sacrilege to say this today. But back in the day when this was filmed, you had... Denise Richards, probably the biggest name in that movie outside of the more uh, outside of the older actors. It, fucking um, Casper Van, is that Casper Van Dien? I was literally, yes, it is. Casper yeah, it's Van Casper Dien. Van Dien and Neil Patrick Harris, who was getting no work at the time. Yep, they they threw in as many B people as they could. Dean Norris wasn't well known at the time. This was mm-hmm. way before Breaking Bad. Yep. Um, Michael Ironside was that guy from the sci-fi movies. Yep. Um, yeah, he literally chose to pick no stars and have them hopefully either act very cheesily if they were capable of so, knowing Dean Norris and Michael Ironside could do that, Mm -hmm. or just be bad at acting, which Casper Van Dien and Denise Richards are. And (laughs) when you gave Neil Patrick Harris a Nazi outfit, he was like... I mean, I fucking look amazing, so let's do this. <laughs> right. And that was this thing I watched. Uh, I've been watching because we just got, or I just got done watching the show uh, Uncoupled oh, on Netflix. Oh, yes. Oh, wonderful, wonderful I was wonderful watching show. some interviews with Neil Patrick Harris. And he was doing like GQ and some mm-hmm. other places. He did Hot Ones. Um, it was good. Where he was, I need to watch that. Yeah. Where he talks about uh, specifically doing Starship Troopers. And he said mm-hmm. that, you know, during that time in Hollywood, it was so hard for somebody who went to TV to go to film because it was such a... It just didn't work that way. Right. And so he wanted to take the opportunity to, to be in that movie just so he could say that he was in a film. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The man showed up for it. Yeah, he did. Everybody actually gave it their all. And it's hilarious. And again, I, I keep coming back to this one and you keep coming back to it. It's a very quotable movie. Oh, God. Right? Yeah. And come like, on, you apes. You want to live forever? Right? Yeah. Like, like, you just want it. Like, it's one of those movies that, like, if I had normal TV and I was just, like, flip, uh, flipping through channels and it was, like, Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. and Starship Troopers was on, I'm like, well, guess we're yeah. fucking watching Starship Troopers. Absolutely watching that shit. Their CG holds up remarkably well. Yeah. 
Um, cause it was mostly intermixed with, you know, a lot of practical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the jokes land when they land. Um, but it's an easy, easy movie to watch unless you don't like gore. It is yeah. very, very gory. But that's again the war aspect and yeah. the, the, the fascism aspect. Cause yeah. yeah, you know. So that's Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Do watch it. it, it Do up. watch it. You are doing yourself a disservice if you haven't seen that. Let me talk about an incredibly flawed movie that I still find fun. Excuse me. Yeah, just going to inhale your drink there. Ah, Jupiter Ascending. I don't think I've seen this one. Okay, Jupiter Ascending was uh, the last movie, was a movie made by the Wachowskis, um... I think before I, I I could be getting this completely wrong, but I I think this was before they were both transitioned. Okay. This is a movie where Mila Kunis is a space princess, but also a you know a Russian immigrant who cleans toilets in New York City, and she is rescued by Channing Tatum, the half human, half dog from outer space, mm-hmm. who rides a hoverboard. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if for anyone still listening, this is a sci-fi movie of sci-fi movies. This is other universes and big galactic level sci-fi with dynasties and lizard people and big fights and fuck, man. Mm-hmm. This movie seems like it has everything and almost feels like it belongs. It's like the- a word salad when you talk about it. True, but it feels like it might belong in the pantheon of sci-fi up there with something like The Fifth Element, you know, where you or even um, uh, ah, the... Never mind. I'll remember the name later. The, mm-hmm. the, the one with the big space colony that just flies through space. Okay. Yeah. Sure, that one. Yeah, okay, never mind. Um, there's a lot of really big sci-fi out there. There isn't Star Trek and Star Wars. There's a lot of great movies, a lot like, like Battlestar Galactica Element. or something? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll come up with it later because mm-hmm. it has a really stupid name. Um, but, uh, yeah, so big, big, big original sci-fi series. It feels like it belongs there. But it, the performances and the, the, the high concept go way too far. Mm-hmm. way, way too far where you're kind of not paying attention to the movie anymore. You know what I mean? This is a very flawed movie because at a certain point, you're just a little tired. Mm-hmm. You're just a little tired of what's going on and you, you kind of stop caring about the stakes and it never really ramps them up for you. It just kind of delivers you a romance plot line mm-hmm. where Mila Kunis is attracted to Channing Tatum because of course she is, but also half of him is a dog. Like literally he looks like a dog a little bit. It's awkward. Um, and Eddie Redmayne... I don't a, know, man. You you started the statement with Mila Kunis <laughs> and Channing Tatum. I'm like, I'd watch that. Yeah. And then you're like, but he looks like a dog. And I'm like, well, that yeah. that kind of takes away from it. Yeah. It, it, Eddie Redmayne just does the movie either quietly boiling or absolutely shout screaming his dialogue yeah. as the main villain. Again, it, it, a lot of people fight big CG lizards at some point. There mm-hmm. are lasers everywhere. I could not tell you the actual plot of the movie because the movie kind of hides it from you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. It's way too much. It's a flawed movie. But if you go in for the sci-fi and just wanting a sci-fi movie with... It sounds like sci-fi spectacle. Sci-fi spectacle. And that's what I meant to say. The spectacle of it is absolutely Wachowski level. The mm-hmm. Matrix, mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, d- d- Session 8, um, d- d- all of the stuff that they do. Yeah. Um, this has that pedigree. This is a feast for the eyes in the exact same way. So in that okay. sense, it's a pretty fun movie. Okay. 
I want to move on to my next one, which is probably one of the more modern ones on my list. And before I discuss this, um, what I want to say is this is one of those movies that I, I we do watch a lot of um, YouTube that is about movies. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yes, we do. I, 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 I hate to... The movie is called Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. God, haven't seen that either. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that one's going on the list. Okay. That's, that's proper sci-fi. Anyway, yes, we it's watch, like that. We watch a lot of film YouTube. Yes, And we do. because of that, we watch a lot of people who just spend hours and hours deconstructing movies and talking mm-hmm. about movies that we love. This next one I am putting on the fun but flawed list, but I want to put an asterisk there. The asterisk being... We've realized the movie might be at least a little problematic. Yeah, so oh, for let's, sure. Let's, let's, let's see this. A lot of movies don't age very right. well. So what I'm going to be talking about is 2011 Sucker Punch. Ooh, I fucking love that movie. I love this movie. I love is, that movie isn't that, isn't to that, death. Is, is that a Paul W. Sanders movie? No. No. It's somebody big. I think Sucker it's Zack Snyder. It might have been Zack. No, you're right. It's Zack Snyder. It's Zack, it's Zack Snyder. Zack yeah, because that's a Zack Snyder fucking movie. Right. If so, you look at it being shot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's HD porn. So when I used to want to make movies when I was younger, and this is mostly like because Tony and I grew up together and he got me into the stuff in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought about like how I would shoot a movie and all the, all the people that I loved growing up, people like David Lynch mm-hmm. and all of them, they got their start in music videos and they actually translate a lot of their skills in music videos over to the movies they make Mm -hmm. and so sucker punch was one of those movies that it is just a two-hour music video oh yeah it's just constant like like the movie will take a 10-minute break and do a music video but luckily they make it a fight scene yeah of like in a different place in time with right. different sci-fi or fantastical elements. It's a lot of fun. So the premise of, of Sucker Punch, and I don't want to give it all away if you've never seen it, because I think it is definitely Do watch this watch. movie, honestly. Um, it's, 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 it's so much fun. There are four girls trying to get through possibly an asylum, mm-hmm. and they keep being transported to fantastical worlds, and it doesn't really explain why at first. Sometimes they're samurais. Sometimes there's just, like, it goes back and forth. Between sometimes they're, they're, they're heisting a train. Right. You know, with machine guns. And it's always with a, done with a music video overlay to it. Yep. Um, the movie is, is essentially about trauma and mm-hmm. how we process trauma. Um, like I said, asterisk, it's a yeah. little, little bit problematic. Oh, yeah. And, um, and and total, like, content warning for, like, mental illness and uh, imprisonment. Self-harm. And, yeah. yeah it, it hits a lot of things. Um, but, and I hate to say this in the same breath, the movie's fucking fun. The movie fucking slaps. It really <laughs> does. It is so much fun. Like, there's th- th- there are elements to it that, I don't know, I've heard women say that it's dumb and transgressive, and I've heard other women say that it feels like a feminist movie to them. So, mm-hmm. it, 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 I, I don't have the opinion. I'm not the guy to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm got not it. the straight guy to ask. Like, right. I, I don't know what's going on with this movie from a cultural standpoint and whether or not it offends who. Right. I found it very fun. Mm. Um, early young Oscar Isaacs, mm. um, John Hamm. Um, I love that you can just name the fucking cast of this can, movie can, with just like no it's, uh, no IMDb in front of you. You're just like, yep, yeah, there's it. a there's a woman um, who who is wonderful in everything, and I'm forgetting her name. And she is like the madam of the asylum, mm. and she participates in a lot of the musical numbers because mm. she does this thing where she like wears the like maid's like nurse's uniform, and she looks frumpy. But when she's in the burlesque outfits, oh, God, she can get it, right? You know, even that though that movie woke a lot of things for a lot of people. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, an absolutely wonderful movie. Um, if, you know, aside from all the content warnings, and it's a little on the older side. If you don't like Zack Snyder, you might not like this movie. Right. If you don't like music videos, you might not like this movie. If you don't like women being badasses, you will hate this movie. Mm-hmm. But this movie is like 90% women being badasses, despite the fact that they're locked up. 
Right. Um, Fucking watch Sucker Punch. Watch Sucker Punch. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. What do you got for me, actor? Okay. My next one, I left further down the list because yours, because because you mentioned hackers. Mm. So I pushed this one down. But this is a very fun, very flawed, kind of stupid movie. Okay. We are talking about, and I believe it's 99, but I'll look it up, Swordfish. Okay. Starring Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry. I do not think I've seen this one. This is a movie, and you're going to love this plot, where Hugh Jackman is living out his house arrest in the desert in an RV. Because he is the most dangerous hacker in the United States. Okay. And he literally downloaded the FBI's carnivore program information and just released it on the internet. <laughs> so he's never allowed to touch a computer again. Okay. So in this movie, um, he is hired to, uh, you know, do some hacking. And they won't tell him what. Mm. But... <laughs> They literally bring him into John Travolta's office, uh, uh, you know, uh, office, mm-hmm. uh, who is the main bad guy, mm-hmm. um, who starts the movie with a monologue in medias res where he's right about to just like blow up a bank. Right. Yeah. Like fucking insane. And there's cops everywhere. And then we go back to Hugh Jackman's story. Mm-hmm. So he meets Hugh Jackman and his like hilarious Euro trash mustache. It's just like one little stripe. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It, it, it's dumb as shit. He base for all but kidnaps Hugh Jackman, tells him to t- tells him to hack into the FBI's main site just to like log in, mm. and he's like the best hackers in the world can do this in an hour. I need you to do it in sixty seconds, and then he brings a woman over to literally fillet Hugh Jackman while another guy <laughs> holds a gun to his head while he tries to hack the FBI website in sixty seconds, and he does it. And that's why he gets to live, and that's why he gets oh, to God. be in this movie with John Travolta while he commits crimes. Oh, you're a big John Travolta fan, aren't you? It, oh, man, he was amazing in the 90s. Come yeah. on. So you have Halle Berry and Hugh Jackman coming off of their success from the first X-Men movie. Yeah. You have John Travolta doing John Travolta stuff. Mm-hmm. And a movie about hackers where they also blow shit up mm-hmm. constantly. And even though there's a lot of dumb financial shit going on, they very, very easily explain it to everybody. Mm-hmm. And then they just have big explosions, all of the Matrix, where, you know, you swing around an entire area to see everything that was affected at once. You know, mm-hmm. that's that, that was the style at the time. Yeah. And John Travolta monologues into the camera about how movies like Dog Day Afternoon or um, Raging Bull about the violence and like the literal things that they can just show are what make Americans move. So he wanted to, when he committed this crime, spread some fucking blood on the walls because the media is always watching (laughs) and that's what they want to see. It's a lot of fun. God damn, is this movie stupid. It is super, <laughs> super dumb. The highlight of the movie for most people were Halle Berry's breasts, which are wonderful, by the way. Um, and the rest is just Hugh Jackman and a lot of weird espionage that just revolves around a guy who stole billions of dollars so that he could use it to finance his war on the rich. I love that. And the, 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 and this was, again, remember, this is the 90s, and the title was Get Ready to Root for the Bad Guy. If only wow. they knew, if only they knew what would come in the future and how, how prevalent their movie would be. So we only have time for one more. And so my first takeaway from this segment is we probably need to do this again. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, yeah. We, we might need a part two to this because I didn't even touch most of the things on my list. Yeah, no, I have I have one big one So right at the end. So I'll let you 
So what I was going to do is my, you my, want to finish my, off with yours. My last one, mm-hmm. because I love you and you are my friend. Mm-hmm. I wanted to gift my last one to you because you gave this gift to me. Ah, okay, great. Yeah, mine can wait. Actually, it'd be a good one to start with on the next time we do okay, this. Okay, so my gift to you that you gave to me was please tell our audience about the movie Black Snake Moan. Ah, because you gave this gift to me. Black Snake Moan. God, what a movie. This is, and I don't even know how to talk about this movie, really. This is a movie where um, Christina Ricci plays a um, young sex addict who um, lives in the woods. And it's it's a trauma thing with her. There's a trigger to it. But she is absolutely a sex addict. And she lives in the swamps. I believe it's Louisiana. Mm-hmm. This movie, aesthetically... Is absolutely gorgeous. It takes the swamps and it takes the the country houses and the cabins and the way people it really live. Celebrates that Louisiana yeah. swamp look in the truck driving. It makes it colorful. It makes it beautiful. It makes the sound rich. Nearly the entire soundtrack is the Black Keys to give mm-hmm. you a hint on like the vibe of this movie. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know who the Black Keys are, they're on Spotify. Fucking do yourself a favor. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a young sex addict. Christina Ricci finds herself. Um, in worse and worse situations until she wanders into the home of Samuel L. Jackson, who is a man just trying to farm his beans out in, uh, out in the, out in the country. Mm-hmm. And this young woman, for all intents and purposes, practically rapes a young boy who was helping him with his farming. And he thinks she has a demon in her. So he chains her to his radiator and keeps her in his house and tries to cure her. With a mix of old-fashioned common sense and his electric guitar. This movie is so incredibly watchable and so incredibly titillating. I mean, Christina Ricci and, like, like oh, my God, you couldn't ask for a more beautiful actress to do this with. But she makes her character tragic. Mm-hmm. You're not there to, 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 you know, enjoy what's happening to her. Right. You're there to be frightened by it because she, she can't stop. And the mm-hmm. whole movie revolves around Samuel L. Jackson trying to figure out how to get her to stop. Right. Movie also stars Justin Timberlake in a very early role before he was even thought of as an actor. Mm -hmm. And he does a very, very good job. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. This This movie movie is is not talked about enough. No, it's not. And it's flawed in a lot of ways because Jesus Christ, content warning for literally everything. It is not an easy movie to think about or talk about, especially if you've experienced any of these things. But it does shed light on them in a way that I really couldn't tell you if it's positive or negative. It's just kind of there. But, I mean, so are these things. And in the end, the movie does view these things positively and views them as a journey and views them as something that, you know, it's mental health issues are important and they're, they, they can't, they're they're not like things you can take a pill for, for your thyroid or for your blood pressure Mm -hmm. or for your, you know, for your heart. It's something that you need help with mentally. And sometimes those things are extreme and, and especially in other circumstances, you probably can't afford to get those. Oh, things. certainly, certainly not. That, that That's yeah. definitely something that's brought up in the movie because you have a young, beautiful girl without a lot of money who happens to be addicted to sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't, might imagine how that turns out. Right. But yeah, um, God, what a good it, movie. It is and a movie that's almost done a disservice by because the initial images of it are so... Hey, look, here's Christina Ricci chained up. Isn't this sexy? That's what this movie is. But it's not, though. Right. It almost feels like a it's not a trap. It's more of a 
It's a subversion of expectation. Right. You go into the movie expecting one thing and you get almost entirely another. Like, I expected this movie to have a ton of, like, violence. Looking at the poster, Mm -hmm. seeing a movie called Black Snake Moan, I was expecting some Tarantino shit. Right. That's what I thought, too. Yeah. There's very little violence in this movie. The movie is mostly people helping each other. And yeah. that's God. It's beautiful, and it's it, it wrapped up in kind of an ugly package, and you you find the beauty underneath and the hope underneath. Uh, it's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, that is our, I guess, first episode of yeah. the fun but flawed movie series. Oh, yeah. Because I have a feeling we're going to be coming back to the, this well a couple times. Yeah. Oh, I skipped. At least half my list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I barely touched mine. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just looking over it going like, man, we even talk about Demolition Man. But like, yeah, there's a whole <laughs> a whole other couple episodes that we could do with fun but flawed movies. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg to become a patron of our show. You can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us as well as always talk to me at gnggcast on Twitter. And until next week for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night and good game.